Lamar Jackson left little doubt on Christmas night in week 16 that he is the league's MVP after a beatdown of the San Francisco 49ers. And we talk about how he took the award from Brock Purdy and so much more coming up next year on Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of Locked On Ravens. We're your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, and I'm your host, Kevin Ostreicher of Ravens Wire, here with you on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, thank you so much for being here and making Locked On Ravens your first listen each and every day, wherever you're available on all podcasting platforms. That includes in video form on YouTube and audio form wherever you get your shows. Be sure to subscribe anywhere you prefer to listen to your podcast. Today's episode of Locked On Ravens is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Lockdown NFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guarantee. The Ravens, they beat down the San Francisco 49ers in week 16. And for this, I had to bring on somebody who I've been talking to for a while over on 105.7. The fan has been gracious enough to have me on his show for many, many, many months now. It is Bruce Cunningham. And if you don't know who Bruce is, if you're a Baltimore sports guy, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. You heard his voice booming at MNT Bank Stadium for 20 years. Obviously, sports director over at Fox 45 and an anchor there. And now he has that show on 105.7. Bruce, I've been looking forward to doing this for a while. And... Honestly, not a better time. First of all, Merry Christmas or a Merry Belated Christmas to you. The Ravens certainly made a lot of fans' Christmases happy and end the right way after that win in Week 16, huh? Did you see anybody today saying, uh, I saw that coming? Because nobody saw that coming, you know? And and I, I tweeted at halftime. I, I think the score was, what, 13 to 10 at halftime? Or, I, I don't remember exactly. 13 to 12, maybe. Yeah. And, 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 and halftime, you know, it was 16 to, 16 to 12, I think. Yeah. And I said, halftime score, I said, buckle up, this is Ali Frazier. That's what I really thought it was going to be. You know, just a slugfest, belly to belly, you know. But the Ravens just pulled away. It's, it's like It was like the Roadrunner cartoons when the, when the Coyotes there and then all of a sudden, and you just and that's what the Ravens did. <clears throat> they just coyote, or uh, Roadrunner them, and it was, it was wondrous. But Lamar gets a lot of the credit, and rightly so. Lamar is Lamar. He's going to be the MVP. He's a special player. And yes, he's worth all that money. I mean, we—he's been showing us week after week after week. Um, the defense is not getting enough credit. Uh, when they took, uh, when they took the uh, the <laughs> Mister uh, Mister Irrelevant out of the game finally in the fourth quarter, they took a tight shot of him, and he had haunted eyes. He had haunted eyes. He no more wanted to go back on that field than he wanted to jump into a fire somewhere. You know, give the defense the credit too. They played great, and it wasn't just Roquan. You know, and Hamilton, Hamilton is emerging as a possible defensive player of the year candidate. You know, I mean, what a player. And uh, you put all that together and you got a team that's probably going to contend for a Super Bowl. They Everything's clicking for him. And you mentioned 49ers one and three against the AFC North this year. And we all know the North is physical and they play a physical brand of football. They're 10 and one against the rest of the league. And it almost felt like a baseball game early on, Bruce. Five to three, it was Giants-Orioles, you know, with the with the weird Lamar tripping over the – I mean, know, the, the, like league, that. the league needs to address that. What You know, what happens when a player trips over a referee? Right. You know, I mean, obviously he's down, but what if he's in the end zone and he's a quarterback and he's got the football? That was kind of – it almost felt bogus. I mean, it's not against the rules. We all know the rules of football, but – 
the referee fell and he tripped over the referee. Why is there no consideration for that? It ended up not making any difference at all, but the league should take a look at that. But they've screwed the rules up now so bad, you, you don't even know what you're watching half the time, you know? Yeah, you, you can't play defense anymore. No. I mean, you, you can't have contact. There's nothing you can do. And, you know, I know there's the debate about the hit drop tackle. I think that was kind of sparked by Mark Andrews and how that injury happened. We'll, we'll see how it how it goes in the offseason. But I know that a lot of the storylines coming in, and there were plenty of them, especially national media-wise, was the MVP. It was Brock Purdy versus Lamar Jackson, whoever wins this game. The storyline was in the game, seriously, in the final analysis. uh, Bulletin board material. The Ravens went into that game breathing fire with a knife between their teeth. They were so mad at the 49ers and their fans by the time they hit that field that I think the 49ers had no chance. That was the chief motivator for the Ravens. And if you look at the post-game comments or listen to what everybody said, everybody alluded to that in their own way. You know, yeah. nobody thought we could do that. Or this guy said that or this guy. That's what motivated them. You know, and, and, and so the 49ers, a very good 49er team, got steamrolled. It's crazy because all week San Francisco was actually really respectful towards the Ravens. You know, Debo went on with Kay Adams and had nice things to say. And if you're the San Francisco 49ers, you're sitting there and they're like, oh, you know, we're paying respect to our opponent. The Ravens did the same exact thing. But th- then you have five different national media narratives headlined, obviously, by Mike Florio and what he had to say. And all of a sudden you're sitting there for San Francisco and you're like, oh, no. Like, yeah. you, you knew you knew it was coming yeah. and it was no fault of their own. They didn't trash talk. They didn't say anything. Now, after the game, the 49ers cornerback called Odell Beckham and Diva. So that was kind of the closest thing you got to that. But they went into that game. I don't understand how you don't give the Ravens a chance. It's not like they're playing like the Panthers or playing like the Commanders. They're 11-3. and three. I mean, what do you want them to do? The 49ers are the shiny new toy, and they have the shiny new head genius coach, you know, the latest genius, you know, and, and a long line of geniuses. And, and everybody latched onto that story. Wow, look at these guys, you know. They kind of didn't pay attention to the AFC in, in, partic- in general and the Ravens in particular. And I think the Ravens kind of reminded everybody last night that maybe that's not the best thing to do. Yeah, and they we've known for years. We've seen it. They work as underdogs, and they work well as underdogs. And well, it's a Baltimore thing. We all got a chip on our shoulder this big, you know. And all you got to do is say we can't do it, or or you get out of here, or whatever. And that fires us up. And the Ravens are just a reflection of that, you know. Yeah, and and look, Maryland is not New York. It's not California. It's not Texas. It's a smaller market, and you know their teams have worked, and the Ravens in particular under John Harbaugh. They are underdogs, and it felt like going into this game, Bruce Lamar was the underdog to Brock Purdy in the MVP debate. But the point you mentioned was really good because it felt like the Ravens got walked down the field by George Kittle on that first possession. Oh, yeah. And Kyle Hamilton comes up with a huge play that honestly might have shifted because I don't think Brock Purdy was the same. I think he was playing scared after that. Right. A couple of unlucky tips in the air, I will say. You know, the Ravens played great and they knew it was coming, but. Brock Purdy leaves that game, no touchdowns, four interceptions. Sam Darnold comes in. What happens? He leaves the he leaves the 49ers down the field. Now, no Kyle Hamilton on those drives. But you talk about what an MVP stands for. It's most valuable player. If Lamar leaves the game against the 49ers, no disrespect to Tyler Huntley. I'm not trying to make that, that, that be a disrespect thing. But Lamar is more valuable to any other team. Like, if he was on any other team, he would be – a guy that raises the ceiling and raises the floor, much like he does to the Ravens. I think Lamar's been the most valuable player in the league for a while now, and I think that's what the award should be based off of, not passing touchdowns or passing yards. I agree with everything you say, and let me add a coda to that, and that is why he's worth the money. You know, he does things nobody else can do. That, That run, that long run he had last night, there's no reason 
that that run should have ever happened, but it's Lamar Jackson. I tell this story on a radio light. You may have heard me tell it, but when I was in middle school down in Virginia, we had we got an ABA franchise called the Virginia Squires, and they signed Dr. J. They, they were Dr. J's first professional team. I would go see Dr. J play when I was 14 years old, and I would leave that building thinking, you know, I just saw some things that I've never seen before. And I never had that feeling again. I'm serious until I saw Lamar Jackson play live. It, you get that exact same feeling. You know, I, I've it, never, he's doing things weekly that we've never seen before. It's incredible. And again, on that, Fred Werner is one of the best linebackers in the league. I mean, it, there was a, the whole debate. Another, another storyline was, oh, Roquan and Patrick Queen versus Dre Greenlaw and Fred Werner. On that 16-yard run, I've never seen Fred Warner look so lost on a play. Lamar pointed at him, juked him out, and, and the rest was that. And that was on a after Ronnie Stanley had that pretty big face mask call. It kicked him out of field goal range. Lamar did his thing and got the Ravens points at the end of the half, which was big for him. But to me, Bruce, I think that when you talk about the MVP, there there has to be more than the passing yards and passing touchdowns. And it's not like yeah. Lamar's had a, had a stretch, right? It's not it's not a run or anything like right. that where he's played well for a month and that's it. This has been the entire season, and he hasn't had one of those, I guess, like a stink right. game, right? Where Dak had the terrible one against Buffalo. Rocks was this week. I don't know if anybody challenges him for the rest of the year. I'm ready to give it to him right now. My MVP formula is and always has been remove the player from his team. And, and what do you have left? And 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 Lamar is an obvious case of that. You know, I, I you could look at the other MVP candidates, like the, supposedly the 49ers have two. You know, uh, could could they still win without either one of those guys? Maybe. You know, but with, with Lamar and the Ravens, there's no maybe. Uh, you know, Huntley took him as far as he could last year and almost won a damn playoff game. But he's not Lamar Jackson. You know, and he he's a, a unique talent. And, and, and for the tenth time, this is why they paid him that money. This is why he is worth that money, because he can do things no one else can do. And that's exactly why the Ravens bought into him. If you were to draft Lamar Jackson in that 2018 draft, you had to flip your offense. You had to flip your your morals and everything about what you wanted to do as an offensive group. You talk he's about a, you know, he, he's not a typical player. You know, yep. he can't he can't be a formula quarterback or system quarterback. He can't. What you've got to do is is you've got to build your system around his talents, and the Ravens have been smart enough to do that. And another thing is, if maybe not make a left turn, but maybe bear the left a little bit, people need to start talking about the job Eric DaCosta is doing with this club. Eric DaCosta was getting his butt kicked a lot not so long ago. But if you look at these draft choices, and if you look at like Roquan Smith, not only did he make that trade, and it wasn't that expensive, but he signed him immediately, signed him long-term immediately. Then you look at Zay Flowers, and then you look at Hamilton. Um, Eric DaCosta's got some credit coming his way. He really does. Yeah, I'm, I'm 100% with you. And again, Ozzy and Eric and all those guys took that shot on Lamar. You talk about opposite quarterbacks, Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson. They're pretty opposite, right? <laughs> and he came in there after Joe got injured, and he led him to that 2018 rookie season, a 6-1 six, a six and one record, led him to the playoffs. And then you got the historic 2019 team. But the point about Eric DaCosta, Bruce, I want to get to that in the second part yeah. of the show because you make, you make a really good point there. So coming up, we'll talk about how Eric DaCosta constructed this team and why it's working so well for them around Lamar Jackson and obviously the defense too. Stay tuned. Plan to talk about Unlocked on Ravens. First, this show was sponsored by Game Time. And there have been plenty of times I've had 
some frustrating ticket buying experiences. Sometimes wasn't sure if the seats were good. Other times I couldn't find last minute tickets. And sometimes there are just no good deals at all. But you shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event because game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, theater events near you. With Carol last minute deals, all on prices of use from your seat and the best price guarantee. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets on the game time app. There are plenty of great options, especially in the Baltimore area. The Ravens will have two home games to round out their year Miami in week 17 Pittsburgh in week 18 so game time they have the deals over there last minute tickets flash deals zone deals plus game time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase you can see the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive Plus, they're obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on your tickets. With zone deals, you pick the section, and Game Time picks the seats for an average of 18% savings. Take the guess we're going to buy and take with Game Time down the games. I'm at create an account and use code Lockdown NFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again. Create and I got redeemed code Lockdown NFL. Spell L O C K E D O N NFL for $20 off. Download Game Time's last minute tickets, lowest price guarantee. We're back. Our second segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Allstriker still talking with Bruce Cunningham following the Ravens beat down of the 49ers 33-19. to I think the, the final score doesn't give it justice, Bruce, to how yeah. dominant the Ravens were in right. this game. A, a little late charge by the 49ers. But earlier in the season, the Ravens, I, I would call the Ravens relatively healthy all season, but it's not exactly that because they've had guys miss a month or three weeks, and it was Ronnie Stanley who's missed some chunks. They lost a guy like Marcus Williams early in the season. Linderbaum missed some time. Marlon Humphrey didn't start the year healthy, got injured again. They've had to have guys step up all year long. Brandon Stevens, Geno Stone. But those are guys who the Ravens have developed. The fact that you mentioned Eric DaCosta, Jadavian Clowney signed, what, two weeks before the season started, three weeks before the season started. Kyle Van Noy was on his couch the first couple weeks of the season. They bring in Nelson Aguilar and Odo Beckham Jr. Odo Beckham which I still think if you want to look at the pure numbers, was it an overpay? Sure. Was okay. it necess- was it a necessary overpay? Right. I-, I think it was because what does he bring you? Veteran leadership. He's not putting up a thousand yards this year or anything. But he's been key to him. Don't ignore the timing of it. It was before Lamar signed. That's true. They signed OBJ before they signed Lamar. That was a signal. That was a shot across Lamar's bow right there. <laughs> and that's exactly why that happened. He won't be back next year. I think he came here. Well, he can't turn down 15 million, but I think he felt like this might be his best chance to get a ring. And I think that's why he's here. And is he the same OBJ he used to be? No. But what he is, is he's a deep threat that they have to account for on every play, which really opens things up for tight ends and, you know, things like that. That's the value that OBJ has. That and the fact that he's a steady hand, he's a veteran, and he makes Lamar feel good. And, and that's why he's here. And the interesting thing, you said he's not going to be back. I'm interested to kind of dive into that a tiny bit more just before we get into the 49ers because they there's something that Eric DaCosta has done this offseason that he, the Ravens have never done is void years. They have used void years a ton, and on Odell's contract, if he's not brought back, the Ravens are going to have a $2.7 million cap hit on Odell for the next four seasons, so from 2024 to 2027. Do you think that maybe it's a, they restructure something, they bring him back on a cheaper veteran deal, or do you really think it's one and done for him? I think it's probably one and done, but the, the Ravens, and if you don't want to waste this early, we can save this later, but the Ravens, I think, are going to make some dramatic offseason moves uh, to clear space, and, and I think they're going to involve superstars. Uh, you want to go into that now or you want to save it? Well, we'll save. Let, let's save that for the final part of the show. That We're going to get into a couple of debates. That That's a good one for the final part. But moving, I mean, Odell, this game here, receiving-wise, was his a flower show. I mean, he had 13 targets. No other Raven had four on the day. But Odell, 
has had, you know, I think from a stats perspective, an underwhelming season. But he's brought, he's brought so much from a veteran perspective, right. mentoring yeah. guys like Rashad Bateman and Zay Flowers. That stuff is invaluable. And you know what? You have to pay $50 million for that. Plus, he's shown some burst over the past couple of weeks. I- I'm fine with that on a one-year deal. If he's taking 20 snaps and going deep 20 times, then that's one defender that, that's got to go deep with it. You know? And that's the value he brings to this team. It really is. It, it, I, I have no problem with him being here. I, I, I'm waiting for Bateman. I think we're all waiting for Bateman, you know, and it's a lonely vigil. You know, I don't know that he's ever really going to pan out, but I think we can go ahead and say, as far as Flowers is concerned, that maybe, just maybe, the Ravens' drought, unending drought of wide receiver drafts, number one wide receiver, I think they finally uh, got rid of that drought. I think that, that Flowers is finally the one they scored on, you know? I'm hoping, and not that Marquise Brown was bad during his time with the Ravens. It just it, yeah. it didn't work out. But I, I've I've always viewed Marquise yeah. as a high end wide receiver too. I don't know if you felt that way, but I feel like Zay does, as you as you talked about, has that wide receiver one potential. Now the loss of Keaton Mitchell, Bruce. I think the Ravens it didn't necessarily matter in this game. No, but I think that Gus, at least in my opinion, has slowed down a little bit as the season has gone on. Still, he's good from two yards out, good from three yards out, and he's added to his game. But are, are you concerned at all? Because, again, game script in this game against the 49ers was they passed the ball a ton early yeah. on, much like they did against Jacksonville. Yeah. And they were up by so much, they just played ball control. And that's why the 49ers were stacking the box. And that's why the yards per carries don't look great. Right. But do you do you feel like this is a thing that might might kind of creep up on the Ravens, the loss of Keaton Mitchell as the year goes on? Not possibly. But, you know, Justice Hill has pretty good speed. And I think yeah. they're really hoping that Justice Hill can step in. And I think another thing they're going to do is a lot of those plays that Keaton Mitchell, where he could show his speed, they're probably just going to take those out of the rotation. You know, he, he, nobody is as fast as Keaton Mitchell, but I think Justice Hill is going to play a big role. He didn't play a huge role last night, but he had some key carries, you know. And I agree with you about Gus. I think Gus is is a little bit slower. However, I think last night was a bit of a bounce back game for him because he did look much stronger last night than he has been looking the last couple of weeks. Yeah, you want to talk about bounce backs. Ronnie Stanley in that offensive line, I thought, played really, really well. Let up a couple pressures, a couple sacks, but compared to what we've seen, especially from Ronnie over this past, you can even call it a month or so, I thought it was a big improvement. Yeah, it was. And, and see, the thing about Stanley that you got to be concerned about, though, is, you know, he just shredded that ankle. He tore the ligaments and broke it at the same time and had to have all these different surgeries. The injury now is not the ankle. Now it's a knee. Uh, so whatever you're getting out of Ronnie Stanley, you got to be thankful for. But they got a rotation going now. And you got young guys that are getting vital reps. You know, that uh, Fa'alela or whatever his name is, he, you see him in there a lot. Uh, Macari, who's a quiet MVP on this team, can play every position on the O-line. You got guys that can float and, and, and fill in like that. But um, I, I'm not so sure that, that that Stanley may be in the long-term plans anymore. Uh, yeah, and that's something we'll probably get to in the final part of the show. because <laughs> you, you dared me to go there. <laughs> I, I pulled you back right before. Right before. <laughs> the O-line, where they're really shining, though, is in pass protection. Yeah. You know, Lamar's having – he usually gets a lot of time to throw, and uh, you you can't fault them for that. Uh, the run blocking, could it be better? Probably. But then again, you don't know what running plays they're calling or, or anything that's going on. So much of this RPA stuff, you know, it develops so quick, it's kind of hard to see what they're trying to do, you know, when they snap the football. But uh, I, I don't know that the running game is even going to be a major part of what they do the rest of the way. I think they throw it so well now. I was also encouraged to see Kohler get in the mix last yeah. night and actually get in the statistic book. 
the better he gets and the quicker he gets good, then that means you got him and likely. And as bad as you miss Andrews, if you can get both those guys going, you got it. You got something. Likely, I think, is is right on the verge of already being there. Uh, he's he's really opening eyes around the NFL, just like everybody kind of knew he would. He's not Andrews and never be Andrews, but man, he's playing pretty well in his spot, you know. Yeah, the development has been great, and I mean, he wouldn't have gotten that with the Andrews in there. Obviously, you want your best players. Well, you it's the Andrews reps, you know. It's the forced yeah. reps. It's the forced reps. You know, the more reps you get, the better you're going to be. With the and we had player. talked about it last year when Mark missed those couple of games. Yeah. Like, I think who they played the Bucks and the Saints. I think is when he missed, and likely Lamar had an instant connection. And it's again getting reps with with the quarterback with the player. It is important. But Bruce, have you seen a team? run a tackle rotation like the Ravens and win a Super Bowl. No. <laughs> and they're doing it out of necessity. You know, you're not, you're not sure about Stanley at all physically. And then Moses, you know, Moses, he's not 100% healthy either. So they're being smart about it. And these young guys, it's just like we were talking about. The young guys are getting reps, you know, and that just makes them better. And uh, the way this unit's playing, I, I they're playing as well as anybody in the league pass-wise right now. They're, they're incredible. And I think a big thing with the offense in this game was that they took advantage of the opportunities the defense gave them. There have been times this year where, again, the defense has right. played lights out pretty much the entire season. They've gotten the Ravens in good positions and they've had to settle for a field goal or right. they turn the ball over. The Ravens went three of six in the red zone on Monday night. Now, that's not an earth shattering percentage, only 50, but scoring three touchdowns with the way this defense has been playing. I mean, I, I'd take that seven days a week because the defense, I mean, I, I can't say enough about him and what, what Mike McDonald's done with him. This year. Rule number one in the NFL, Ted Marchabrota taught me this in 1996 on a train right into New York for a preseason game. Rule number one in the NFL is you've got to turn turnovers into points. You've got to turn turnovers into points every time. And that was what where the offense to me was truly efficient last night. They were able to capitalize on all those takeaways and, and score. What did they score on five straight possessions last night? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. And I think at least might have been seven. Honestly, might have been seven. I, the majority of those were off turnovers, you know? And if you're doing that, that's a fundamental in the NFL, man. Turnovers into points. And if you're getting that done, then you're gonna you, you got a pretty good chance of winning a ball game. And I thought they married it pretty well because they got the turnovers in the first, Pat Wolves, three interceptions in the first. But then they started to get to the quarterback in the second half. It was really just shutting out the game. Jadavian Clowney came to life. Brent Urban had a couple of his own. So it's, again, we talked about guys stepping up every single which way, which has been great. When Brent Urban was making those plays last night, it reminded me of the late Harry Callis, you know, the great Philadelphia. <laughs> uh, when, a, when a player did something and you, you hadn't seen him in a while, he had a saying, out of cold storage. <laughs> <laughs> He came out of cold storage last night, but it was glorious. And the best thing about it was I haven't seen the rating, but uh, uh, the, the banner did an interesting thing last week that the highest rated uh, games in Ravens history, the number one uh, game in that list was the season opener in 2013 when the Ravens had to go out to Denver. They couldn't open at home. If you remember, right, all yeah, that. Yeah. that was 25.1 million. I'm interested to see if that matchup on Christmas night, on national TV in prime time, I'm anxious to see if that number is bigger than than the biggest. I, I think it might be. It could be. It, it 100% could be. And the fact that the Ravens played so well, they, they made a statement in that one 100%. But coming up, we will get to what Bruce has been issued to talk about all show here with the offseason. Also talk about the number one seed debate and a potential playoff matchup. Stay tuned. We've got a lot to get to here on Lockdown Ravens. 
First, this show is sponsored by Prize Picks. If you're looking for daily fantasy sports, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun. So many have had up to 25 times in Monday this football season. All I have to do is select two or more players, pick more, listen to projected stats, and place your entry. And basketball season is here, and you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different leagues or sports. For example, LeBron James, Travis Kelsey, you can pick those two at a 10 and a half combo with three pointers made plus receptions. And if you want to play alongside some of prize picks, favorite players like Raffin McMill and comedian Andrew Schultz, you can now find the community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries. Some of the biggest names in the prize picks community each week. Plus prize picks even offers a reboot policy. So your entry stay in play. Even if one of your players gets injured for football and basketball games, we have a player who exits the game in the first half and doesn't return in the second. That player is rebooted. Prize picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. So go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Use code locked on NFL for a first boss match up to $100. Again, go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Use code locked on NFL for a first boss match up to $100. Prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy. We are back rounding out Locked On Ravens with Bruce Cunningham. I am Kevin Ostriker. And Bruce, I want to throw you a question first. I'm going to, I'm going to have you wait a little longer before we talk about the offseason. I'm retired. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I feel like, though, we have to talk about Joe Flacco in this yeah. Browns team. Because you talk about playoff matchups. It feels like the NFL storybook writers are maybe having January Joe come back to M&T Bank Stadium. It's got to Play this Ravens yeah. team. Yeah. Are, are you welcoming that? Are you scared about it? Well, yeah, what's, I'm what's scared as thought? hell. Every, and you should be scared as hell, too, <laughs> though. This is, see, this is magic that we're seeing in Cleveland. This, this is this is Disney movie stuff. They're probably right now sitting around tables in Hollywood figuring out how they're going to get this movie and who's going to play Flacco and all that. He's literally at his mom's house on Thanksgiving sitting on the couch and his cell phone rings. And Thanksgiving, you know, sure, I'll come. And, you know, Joe... Joe's the most uncomplicated person there is. Okay, yeah, I'll be there. And, and comes in. The one thing about Joe, he had a lot of drawbacks. Uh, the best line I ever heard about Joe was Mike Preston. <laughs> Mike said that Joe moved like a file cabinet. <laughs> oh, I always love that. He couldn't move. He wasn't mobile. But Joe could always make the throws. Joe could make every throw in the book. And that's what he's doing to Cleveland. And if you watch the Browns closely, that offense, very heavy with slants. You know, uh, intermediate slants, deep slants, and that's Flacco's game. He, the, the slant is probably the best ball he throws. And go back and look at all these touchdowns he's been throwing, and every one of them is on slants. So I think it's great, and Cleveland deserves it, you know. But it, it, it's going to happen. They're going to play the Cleveland Browns with Joe Flacco here in Baltimore. What's going to happen? I have no idea. Joe's had good days on that field. Joe's had bad days on that field. Yeah, plenty of them. And I know that the debate now is, hey, if they beat Miami in week 17, they get that one seed, they get the bye. And there's been a debate, Bruce, about, well, do the Ravens want that one seed? Do, is there too much rest going on? That was, it's crazy. If you're banged up, if you're banged up and, and you're really trying to get guys healthy, then a bye can be a really good thing. Yeah. But the Ravens aren't that banged up right now. There's not a whole lot of guys they need to get. Maybe Hamilton, but other than that, you know, they're pretty good in that regard. The one thing the Ravens have going for them right now is momentum. And if they get that by, then, you know, you, you run the risk of losing that momentum. Uh, so I would rather see them play uh, the first round of the playoffs. But that's just me. I think it's crazy because the situations are quite similar compared to 2019. Now, the teams are different. I'm not saying the teams are the same. But the Ravens had to play Pittsburgh in week 18 in 2019. Well, it was week 17 back then and the final game of the year. And John Harbaugh decided to rest all of his guys. And essentially, they had three weeks off between 
when they played against Cleveland to clinch the one seed and then the Titans, which I do think some players and coaches were maybe looking ahead a little bit and, and didn't really think they had the Titans in front of them. The Titans mm-hmm. came in and kicked them in the mouth in their home stadium. Do, do you treat that Pittsburgh game in week 18 if the one seed is clinched like a preseason game? Do you play Lamar for a half? Do you play him the entire game? What do you do? I don't there? play him at all. I put him in a in that big long coat that he likes. And you know, he's got his hat guy now. I keep that guy close by <laughs> and make sure he's comfortable and he's got Coco or whatever. And I let Huntley play the whole damn game. You know, and, and I let Justice Hill play the whole damn game. And I let Kohler play the whole damn seriously. If you've already clinched, that Pittsburgh game means absolutely nothing to either team. So, no, I'm not putting anybody out there that I can afford not to have out there. Yeah, and again, there, there's this debate about rest versus rust, but what if you you play everyone, then someone gets injured, and it's a disaster, right? You, you can't have that happen in the last game of the season. I think you just you practice. During that bye week, you practice. You, you don't take days off, and you, you don't kind of lose that momentum. It's difficult when you're not playing a game. I, I know there, there's a sense of you know having game momentum, but – Baltimore's going to play for this one seed. It's going to be interesting. The other thing, too, is like Huntley, he hadn't taken a snap all year, you know, and it might not be the worst thing if he if he played against Pittsburgh, you know, I mean, at least because you never know. You truly never know. So I don't know. I don't know. Let's talk about Stanley. This is, all right. Let, let's, 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 I've, I've held you long enough. We can get into it now. I've been saving wise. it. Ronnie Stanley, Ronnie Stanley makes a lot of money. Yes. And Ronnie Stanley, as much as I respect him, and I really do, I think he's a great player, and he's been a great player for the Ravens. But he's at the point of his career now where he's got a second thing wrong with him. It might be time for the Ravens to take a look at Ronnie Stanley and whether they want to continue to go forward. It's going to bring some dead money in next year if they do it. But if you were to make a move like that, you might be able to hang on to Matt Abuike, you know, or you might be able to hang on to Patrick Queen. I think that they're at least going to talk about that. And and if they if they do talk about that, they might have the same conversation or a similar conversation about Marlon Humphrey. Uh, he's at basically the same stage of his career, too. Can you win without him as he gets older? Maybe, maybe you can. And that's another gigantic contract that they could get out from under and maybe hang on to Matt Abrique, maybe hang on to Patrick Quinn. Yeah, I would probably if I had if I had those two, I would probably say the Ravens move on from Stanley and keep Humphrey if I ha- if I had to guess right no, now. No, you don't have to do both. I'm just even even right, Stanley, right. you still have cleared enough money probably to get both those guys signed. You know? Yeah, I think with the so the numbers for Stanley Bruce, I, I pulled them up quickly. The Ravens would have a 17 million dead cap hit if they were to release Stanley after this year, and they free up about nine million. If they kept him for 2024 and got rid of him after 2025, which I think if it's not this year, this offseason is going to be next, right. they would only have a six million cap hit, dead cap, and then they'd free up 20 million. That's so do you, they're that's going to keep him in 2024, you think? I think so now. I, I didn't realize those numbers were that, but yeah, they, they'd have to do that. That's a prudent thing to do. But yeah. I don't think he's in the long term uh, you know, uh, plans of this club. They're going to try real hard to get both those guys signed, those defensive players I mentioned. Uh, they're going to try to find a way to do it because they don't want to lose them. Um, and both of those guys are going to be top dollar free agents. So this is going to be quite a challenge. But the Ravens are, historically have been very good at this. Pat Moriarty is the best cap guy there ever is. Uh, one of the biggest laughs I ever had out there, uh, Phil Savage, who used to be the Ravens chief scout back in the day. He and uh, Pat Moriarty were going out for a jog, and they ran past us. And Kevin Byrne pointed at him and said, "That's cause and effect, right there." <laughs> the scout and the cap guy, yeah. But the thing about Moriarty that nobody seems to realize—he actually played. He played in the NFL. Yeah. He's running back with the Cleveland Browns. How many cap guys played in the NFL? You know. But it's just an example of the organization and how class it is, top to bottom, and how lucky we are to have them. You know, people. 
don't assume it's a birthright that we've got a very well-run NFL team. You know, you could be in Phoenix, you know, you could be in Chicago, you know, they just do it right. And we're fortunate and understand how fortunate we are. And for the second time, don't just assume it's our birthright, you know, to have one. Yeah. Yeah. We've been very, very fortunate that way. They've been consistent almost all the way through. And it's rare to find an organization like that. And their history might not be as long as others if you take into account the Baltimore aspect of it. Yeah. But th- they have a bunch going for them, and they've had it for years. Let me make one final point. Uh, if they win the Super Bowl, if you count the Baltimore Colts, which I think you should, that would be their sixth ring. You know how Pittsburgh likes to bang their chest about <laughs> six rings? This year, the Ravens would be the sixth ring. Let me spell it out. 58, 59, 71, 2000, 2012, 2023. There's your six rings right there. There you go. Head to head with Pittsburgh. Do you think this is a year, Bruce, where they do it? The vibes are there. It seems like everybody's playing for each other. They're locked in. They know they what are, their goal is. I'm not, I won't say they're winning games they're not supposed to win, but they're winning games in different ways. And they're winning games in unlikely ways and, and maybe games they should have lost. I don't know if it got snapped last night that you know, leading every quarter of the season. Were they trailing at the end of the first quarter last night? I, I don't remember. I I'd have remember to go back and check. But that's the stat. And then if you look at the three losses, they had fourth quarter leads, double digit leads in, in, in all three of those games. You're talking about this far from undefeated. And people need to understand that that's how damn good this team is. This is rare stuff, you know? One more stat for you. The Ravens have not trailed by more than seven points all season. All season. The numbers become dominant over time. They really do. You know, and I think not enough people are paying attention to all that. But, you know, we, we're fans. We whine. You know, this could be better and that could be better. Keith Mills told me a great story. He was doing a call-in show on BAL Radio the night of the Super Bowl win in 2013 at about 1.30 in the morning. And a guy called up, and if the Ravens don't do this and this and this and this, they won't repeat a Super Bowl champion. And Keith, Keith said he just started laughing. They just won the Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, enjoy it for, for 12 hours. Why don't you? But right. I don't know. And, and Miami, here's another point that needs to be made, because you're going to hear a lot about this this week, about if Miami's at a disadvantage coming up here in December, you know, the, the cold weather and all of that. Every year, Miami goes to Buffalo, New England, and New York to play on a regular basis. They're not going to be phased by any cold. They're really yeah. not. I just don't think they're that good. I think the 49ers are better than Miami, but I'm out of the prediction business. That's why I don't gamble. <laughs> I have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, Mike Florio might have to get out of that business too, if we're, <laughs> if we're being honest. <laughs> what a clown. He makes us all look bad. And the bad thing about that is he's not even one of us. You know, he's just a lawyer. And, and uh, I hope he learned a lesson from this, but somehow I doubt he has. Uh, ho- hopefully he did. I think my, yeah, my, my, Miami's thing is they just have so many injuries. Seems like if another guy gets injured every single week for him. But well, they're really banged up on the O line, and and yep. uh, Tua Tua is not like a, a mighty oak out there. You know, I mean, you you might be able to affect the game by really putting a lot of pressure on Tua, and I think that's the way they're going to attack it. Um, that pass rush last night was masterful. It really was. I mean, that, that might have been the best pass rush game they had this season. If they can continue that with that. Awful offensive line Miami's going to throw out there. And Tua, who's not that mighty, that's a pretty good combination right there if they can make it all come together. But, you know, it's funny. The things we discuss on Tuesday are rarely factors on Sunday. Yep, that's true. That, that's 100% true. That's why they play the games, right? That is right. One last point, one last yeah. question, especially about the offseason. You mentioned that defense. Mike McDonald's going to have some uh, head coaching interest 100% coming his way. 
what does Baltimore, I mean, obviously he has the choice to leave or not, but what do they do? Do they offer him a huge extension? Do they promise him the head coaching job once Harbaugh leaves? Or is there a chance he just leaves and, and that's it? Well, it's hard to say. Um, I, you don't want to stand in his way. I, Brian Billick used to tell the story of Marvin Lewis. You know, he says, Brian, they, they, they want to pay me $3 million to be head coach. What should I do? And Brian said, take the $3 million, you know, McDonald, it, it's up to him. I think every assistant wants to be a head coach. I don't think there's a whole lot of like family loyalty or anything. It's a business, you know, and if you got a chance to go be a CEO somewhere, you got to take it. And I think he's more than earned it. And I think he'd be great at it. Yeah. If he leaves, it'll be a blow to Baltimore. But again, the Ravens have been very willing to, and they've been happy to see their assistants go and flourish in other places. And you know, the way the Giants are playing, you know, maybe Wink will be available again. He'll come back. <laughs> now that would be crazy. That I would be a story. <laughs> His energy is something else. Not that, not that McDonald doesn't have it, but Wink's energy. No, but I think McDonald is pretty odds on. I think he's going to be somebody's head coach by the time uh, summer or spring practice starts. Yeah, if if not this offseason, probably. Hey, good probably for him, you know, I mean, good for him. He's earned it. He's 100% earned it. But, Bruce, I appreciate your time. Thanks so much for joining me here. Tell people where, you, where they can find you, what's working on. I know you got the radio show this is coming. That's on. about it. You know, I'm retired and I'm serious about it. Uh, <laughs> I, I do the radio show Saturdays at noon. I'll be on uh, New Year's Day. Uh, I'm going to do a couple hours in the morning, I think 9 to 11. And uh, other than that, I'm taking it easy, catching up on Netflix, walking the dogs. It's everything I hoped it would be and more. Well, you've earned it 1,000%. And be sure to check out Bruce over on 105.7. It's a great work he puts out over there. Bruce, again, I appreciate you. And I appreciate all the listeners and watchers out there tuning into Locked on Ravens today. Coming up tomorrow, more Ravens content here on the show. So be sure to stay tuned. I'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked on Ravens.